that. I want to welcome you. My name is Kristen Camps. I'm here with Danae, and we are excited to have you here to learn with us over the next day and a half. So thank you for your time and your attention and your dedication to doing good stuff with students. Uh, just so that you have a little background on me, I started teaching forever ago at Seymour Christian School. And I taught second grade there and was there for one year and then ended up going to Annapolis Area Christian School and was there for two years teaching second grade. Got pregnant with my first daughter. My husband and I moved back. And I was at Hudsonville Christian for eight years teaching third grade. And then went from third grade when my own kids were the same age as the students I was teaching, moved from third to eighth grade. And the funny thing was, when I made that transition, nobody said congratulations. <laughs> like, what is it about eighth graders, right? Absolutely loved teaching eighth grade at Holland Christian. Was eighth grade mostly science and technology, then some English and language arts thrown in there. Taught some sixth, some seventh, but mostly seventh and eighth grade science. So that's a little bit about me. Since then, I've been working as an instructional coach. I work for BIE. I travel. Last week, I was in Fort Lauderdale, and before that, Detroit, and before that, Bismarck, North Dakota, which has already experienced snow. So it's coming our way. Uh, but that's a little bit about me. I'll let Danae go ahead and introduce herself. Morning. My name is Danae Lemoyne, um, and I'm excited to be here with y'all. This is actually my first CEA convention conference, so I'm excited to uh, learn from you guys as well. My background, um, I actually live in Phoenix now, um, and so as Kristen is talking about the cold, like torture to me. <laughs> so we're lucky this is cold enough for me here right now. Um, but my background is in secondary education. Um, so I started teaching middle school language arts and English as a second language. Um, I'm a Spanish speaker. Um, and I actually was on staff with Teach for America for a brief period um, as a coach. Um, and then I became an instructional coach for a while. And then I was actually running a school abroad. We were a bilingual um, Christian school, very hands-on. If you're familiar with expeditionary learning, that term. We were an EL school was our model of instruction. And it was pre-K-3 through 12th grade. Um, so while kind of the quirky middle school was my sweet spot, I've learned to, to work with the full spectrum. Um, and so I'm excited to be here with y'all today, um, here in Michigan, or Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I was going to Michigan. She, was, yeah, she landed in Detroit and was like, do I have another flight? Yeah, I have another flight. All right, so as you are getting warmed up at your table, we're going to invite you to go ahead and just take a few minutes to learn the people in the room. And here's my little disclaimer. We're not necessarily staying together as table groups, so we'll get to know each other because that's a great thing to do, but we're going to do a little mixing up after lunch, then we'll come back together again. So we'll give you more of a heads up on that in a little bit. But as you see up on the screen, we'd like you to go ahead and just have a quick discussion at your table, introduce yourselves, your role at your school, and then reflect on this. What's one success that you've enjoyed so far this year? And more importantly, what did you do to make that success happen. So what were the steps that you took? So think about the way that you've had kids interact with each other. Think about a unit maybe that you've taught. Something that has been good for you and then what did you do to make that happen? Go ahead.
phrase that connects the table stories. So think about what was shared. What's some common element of that? So a word or a phrase. If you're not done sharing, then just continue sharing. Said that lunch will be at 11.50, so that's a little bit different. 
and it will be in here. They will serve us plated lunches and clear it. I know. However, in the spirit of best practices, we do not expect you to stay seated the whole time. So feel free to mill about, do your thing, and we've actually got some resources um, kind of around the room that you can just be exploring um, in some of the off times as well. But we want you to see as many practical examples as you can to get that inspiration and kind of idea generation flowing. After we come back from lunch, we are actually going to split. So if you have a yellow folder, you will be in here with me um, as you are elementary. Um, and if you have a blue folder and you are secondary or green, um, you will be in Salon C with Kristen. Green are administrators, which is why we're having you go in secondary, but if you feel like, man, no, I really want to be elementary, feel free to come in here too. And I just realized the slide is wrong, so it is Salon C for the blue green people. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, then we'll have a little break, and then we'll all come back together in here to finish up for today. Um, tomorrow is also going to be very exciting, as it's a lot of hands-on work time, um, a lot of feedback, just a lot of chance to actually leave with some things prepped and ready to implement. Um, so get excited. We really want to build that in. So I know sometimes when I attend conferences, I get itchy. Like, when do I, when do I get my chance to kind of put some of these thoughts on paper? Today we're just going to be taking things in. We'll be processing together. But tomorrow is a really great day. Um, to start fleshing out the details and getting ready to, to rock and roll in your classrooms. Sound good? Yeah? One of the things that we do uh, as a protocol, I say get it, you say got it, and we all say good. Give it a shot. Get it? Got it. Good. There we go. Um, and one of the things, just as we start together, some workshop norms would love to point out. Um, take intellectual risk. I feel I'm just going to let that one linger for a second because I think we are all drawn to our safety zone in our way of thinking, in our way of operating. We know what we're comfortable with and we think we know what our students are comfortable with or what our administrators are comfortable with or what our parents are comfortable with, right? We have all of these forces pulling at us. But I would really love to just kind of like suspend all of that um, and really dive into some intellectual risks, even in just the way we're thinking um, over the next two days. So if y'all are on board with that, give me a, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think we're going to get there. Um, and the other thing is planning with students in mind. Um, I think sometimes, again, as educators, we're hearing all of these things and we think, oh, I just can't, I can't do that. Or, I, 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 but I've already got my favorite thing set over here. And so just saying, okay, I'm going to put everything on the table and what is best for my kiddos. Um, and just being willing to plan with that in mind. And again, yes, taking care of ourselves and work-life balance, and I heard over here, I have a tendency to burn myself out. We want to take all of those things into account. But if we could just start thinking and planning with students in mind, then we can make sure that we build in some safeguards for ourselves as educators as well. But let's kind of start from that place, just the best of students. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Come on, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the last thing is practice optimism. Again, obstacles, barriers, challenges are real. We have all been in the classroom, right? We've all worked with limited resources, limited time, whatever it might be. Um, but let's just practice trying to see the best in things. I think people, and especially our kiddos, tend to surprise us. Um, so optimism there. Hard on content, soft on people. It's John Mayer, right? John Mayer sings that song, Say What You Need to Say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're going to embody that as we give one another feedback and we listen to each other's ideas. Be hard on the content. If there's an idea that based on what you understand is not jiving, be willing to tell the person that information because they need to hear it. But soft on people. Do it with that loving, kind uh, heart and mind. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of Minnesotans and they have the Minnesota nice. We're not going to do that, right? So we're going to share openly because I think feedback is so valuable. And you have a bunch of brilliant minds together here for these next two days. So don't hold back. Give that honest feedback that we often crave because we feel so alone in the classroom sometimes with our planning. So share with each other. Give real, honest feedback. But again, the person itself is not what we're, who we're critiquing, right? It's the content. And so just making sure that we frame that accordingly and we do it in a respectful way. But don't feel like you need to kind of hold back. If, if you're going to challenge someone's thinking, push them. Cool. Okay, how are we feeling about workshop norms? Yeah? Can I get a yeah? Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. <laughs>
question. Over the next two days, we're really going to spend time just exploring this. Will you go ahead and read that out loud with me? How do I plan a high-quality project for my students? Anyone feel like they can totally answer that right now? Some? No? Okay. Well, if you can't, that's good. We've got two days to figure this out together. Huh? Um, and this is just going to guide our thinking, guide our time, guide our planning. Um, we really want to make sure that we move away from just like a project and various definitions of what a project might look like or entail and move towards this understanding of what a high, proje a high quality project looks like and how to plan that to get, our, to get it there um, and to really push our students along those lines as well. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to watch two videos, and as you watch, think about the characteristics that you see. You've got some sticky notes on your table. Unless you've got your own note taking place, it's totally fine. But what are you noticing about this first video that resonates with you? Yep, okay. practices that are being put forth. So as you watch, here are two prompts for you. The first one, how is this different from a traditional unit or project? Okay. And then second, what distinguishes this in your own mind? We don't have a definition yet, so you're playing about and trying to make some meaning of this. What distinguishes this as a high quality project? It's not perfect, but it's a really strong representation. Okay, and again, if you've got a place where you're taking notes, great. Otherwise, use the stickies. Can you How can we, as historians, design a virtual civil rights museum app that will preserve the national influence on the civil rights movement? So throughout this whole process, I want you to think of yourself as a historian. The students are going to create a virtual museum app looking at the civil rights movements that happen in Nashville. So we're going to focus on the Nashville sit-ins, we're going to focus on the public desegregation of schools, and we're going to focus on what happened after the Nashville civil rights movement. The app we're using is called Think Link. All the students find a background picture that relates to their topic. And then what they do is they tag different things on top of that background picture. So our entry event was a field trip to our National Public Library, and there they have the Civil Rights Exhibit. I want you guys to look at the pictures, look at who's in the middle, look at who's on the sides, look at their faces, at their hands, and try to figure out what's happening. We looked at some primary sources. That is John Moore's about to get arrested, and he is telling the police his rights. Kids were able to look at some artifacts and have a discussion about the things that happened in the civil rights movement here in Nashville. How do you feel about touching something that was it's almost 50 years old? History in the palm of your hand. My job as a teacher is to get them excited like I'm excited about the project. And that's one way to engage the students and get their minds to start thinking about what they're going to create. And now we're going to look at a particular book. This book is going to guide our work for our project. We started looking at a book marked by John Lewis. And in this book, he talks about his journey from childhood to the civil rights movement and the part that he played. And then it tells me the story is called March. So why do you think the author did that way? Okay, so you think he's giving us his point of view. Oh, he said point of view. Let's talk about point of view. What type of point of view do we have? So first person, second person, third omission. I thought that would be a really good idea if we read his book to get our minds set on what actually happened in Nashville. 
we got to create our need to know list. And then we created our need to know list. This is the things they want to know from reading about John Lewis from our field trip. What's your question? I was John Lewis a man this is a list what they want to find out at the end. So we're going to go through that list. We're going to mark through the things that we found out. We can always add to the list. The clock is a way for my students to collaborate and talk to each other. So what I do is we set appointments. We learned at the lunch counter. You know, the lunch counter we were sitting at was lunch counter you said. So it's just a way for them to get feedback, talk to each other, get them to move, stay on topic, but talk to one of your classmates. So that's why I use the clock. I want you to take about a few minutes to journal down what did you learn, how was the experience, what did you like, what did you want more of. So just reflecting is a big part for me because that gets them to think. During this time in my classroom, I have different levels of students where they're at. And this book is a kind of a higher level book. So they read silently, and after they read silently, they journal about what they learned. And I think reading and writing go hand to hand. That has them be able to retain the information about the book. This was the first day of school in Nashville in 1957. This was the first day that African American children and white children went to school together. We invited Dr. Melnick from the Historical Commission and she was able to take what we had already learned and add to it. This lady right here with the glasses, this is Diane Nash. I did like the fact that she did bring in some more primary sources and pictures, which was very enlightening for our kids. Explain to me how that photo goes with your topic, because I see Martin Luther King and they look like Lyndon B. Johnson. So does that go with school segregation? So that means this is a scratch. I think having her there actually helped me as a teacher realize that my students were kind of off topic a little bit. So with me having to do a checkpoint, saying, okay, let me look at your pictures to see, are you kind of on the same pathway that she was on and my kids wasn't. During our work time, the kids continue to work on the app, adding their tags, adding more information, this is what they want to display for their virtual museum app. My topic is Nashville cities, and I chose this background picture because it's showing a really detailed sitting that they did. They also did a charrette protocol, and with the charrette protocol, allowed them to talk to a peer that's not on their team and get feedback. What do I need to add to my app? What do I need to delete? This is interesting because how you put pictures on what you can see most. The presenter is now listening to all this feedback and suggestions. And this gives the students an opportunity to get feedback other than from an adult. I chose this background picture of decisions because this tells you about decisions and they're not using violence. This is where they learn their techniques on how to not be violent. We have a panel today of six people. I had one person from our school, which was our media specialist. I had two historians, a TSU professor and Dr. Melnick, who was here with us before from the Historical Commission. And then I had three central office people. Um, one worked with technology, one was from the STEM department, and the other is from our social studies department. I asked them to come in and listen to the kids present. I wonder if you guys are aware that many of the freedom writers are still around. And my expectation was for them to use the presentation rubric from Book Institute and give the kids feedback. You've made it really relevant and easy to navigate around with all the images, the pictures, the videos that you found and you put right in there. So I think that's the most important part for the kids because now it gets me to thinking, using that feedback that you got from your peers and from the panel, what do you want to change before you submit it to me for a grade? What I learned from this was that Nashville has a lot of history. It's not all about country music. <laughs> Benefit for me to have them present in front of a panel is to showcase themselves. I think sometimes the kids that I service don't have that opportunity to shine. Many of the sites that are important in the story are still around. You can visit the public square where Diane Nash confronted Mayor West. And it's real interesting because when you go to these places, you get a kind of a sense of what they went through. So just go ahead, before we get started in this next activity, wanted to just give you a moment to jot down some of your thoughts. 
um, as you're jotting down thoughts, really um, kind of think about number three, but which features of this unit or this project um, to set it apart from a traditional unit or project as we, we understand or we kind of grew up um, with? What elements make it really meaningful? Jot down some notes um, just by yourself, and then we'll shout some things out together. Give me a peace time. Where am I aligned with this? Where am I not? So we're celebrating 
some things that we're doing really well. I think sometimes in conferences we can walk away feeling like, i got to scrap everything and just do all of this now. No, we have a lot of overlap, I'm sure. We're already pulling out some of these words. You've got some of this framework. There are really wonderful things. We want to juxtapose both the good um, and maybe some areas of improvement as well. Um, and just kind of focusing in at the end, my current way of teaching. This does not mean me as a teacher. This does not mean the way I will always teach. It's currently what we're doing, what our practice entails, knowing that that's evolving, knowing that we are evolving as educators and that our styles and our tools expand and grow. Um, but this is going to be a really unique framework for helping us kind of take a look at that. Um, ladies, will you read the second learning target for us, please? I can articulate the process and elements for designing a high-quality so already, we're just starting to throw some things out there, and we're really going to go through things in a structured way so you feel like you have a clear roadmap. If you do decide, hey, this is something I want to take a look at in some more detail, you're going to feel like you've got um, some resources to help you do that well. But right now, just kind of starting the process of reflection um, around juxtaposing project-based learning to our current way of teaching, we're going to do a little activity called Four Corners. Y'all familiar with this? So before we get into Four Corners, something I want to lift from this experience with learning targets, it's not uncommon for us to post learning objectives for students, right? But how often do we have them interact and really digest what those things are saying? And that is so important. In project-based learning, students need to become more self-sufficient. And if we want them to be more self-sufficient, they have to really understand where their learning is going. So unless they understand what target they're trying to hit, they're going to just be shooting off in every direction, right? So this is an important part of the process. Not only this, but you saw the teacher in the video get into having students create a need-to-know list. Based on this experience, what do I as a student feel like I need to know about this topic? So when we go back to the word splash, that idea of student-centered, it's trying to put practices into place where we're lifting the veil off of education. We're helping students understand what's happening in the classroom. So that we're becoming more partners in that learning process. Thanks. And I, I just want to piggyback on that. So I, um, where I worked for the last five years, we were in the Dominican Republic. And so it was a very bilingual environment. And our students, um, we were a bilingual school, but we're doing a lot of instruction um, in English immersion. And especially for second language learners, I feel like I really learned the importance of learning targets. When they're hearing a ton of information, and language may be a barrier there too, what do I really need to focus in on? If I have to understand something by the end of class, what is it? Um, and I think that's true not just for second language learners, but for our students in general, right? It really helps them kind of make sense of, there may be some things on the peripheral that I'm just not grasping, but am I really walking away understanding my primary goal or my learning target? Um, okay, so four corners. Go ahead and look around the room. You see on orange paper some numbers listed. Point to the three, to the one, four, and the those. Oh, God, you guys are just following suit now. Or we've got some Spanish speakers, huh? Um, so what we're going to go ahead and do is I'm going to place some prompts up here on the screen. Depending on which prompt you identify most with, I'm going to have you move to that particular corner of the room. And then you'll have a little bit um, of time just to have a conversation about why you chose that one with your other groups of ones or threes or fours or twos. Get it? Good. Okay. Um, and I just want to say, no wrong answers. We're all at different places. Feel free to get raw, be authentic, safe place. Okay? Okay, so here we go. How do you generally approach change? You dip your toes in the water before you get in. You make sure you've got your goggles, your floaties, your sunscreen before you even think about getting in the pool. Do you move to the deep end only after you've mastered the shallow end? Or are you just a cannonball style? Okay, go ahead and move to the corner that best describes your approach to change. So go ahead and discuss with your group why you chose this area. How has it served you well planning for change in this way? 
towards your corner of the room? I'd say, pick a choice. What do you think? Alex, like, you're between one, two, and one. I, I really just want to get my kids like really excited about what like, I, I saw my kids really get excited about the book they were reading and they went and talked to the kids about it. So I just, I don't see them get excited and then to actually do something that into action I think is so valuable. It makes more of an impact on their responsibility. I think it was like so incredible. Generally, hands are up. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and grab a seat. You can head back to your places.
love to clarify. Um, would also just love to clarify. We are aware that y'all are capable adults, highly professional, so please don't feel like us using some of these um, strategies or tools are intended to be childish or anything. We're just hoping to kind of expose you to maybe some more techniques that you could use in your classroom um, and working with a large group rather than screaming. Uh, we'll kind of continue to do what we would hope to do in our classrooms. So please don't take that um, offensively is all I want to preface that with. Um, so let's go ahead and debrief. Um, in terms of your approach to change, I think reflection and just kind of understanding where we're coming from as we think about changing things up in our classroom is really important to know. There are downsides to all of our personality types, right? And we tend to think like, oh, I'm too much of this, or oh, I should do more of that. But if we prepare well, knowing ourselves allows us to prepare well so that we can be successful um, in implementing change. Um, what about some of your dip the toes in the water before getting in? Raise your hand if you're one. Yeah? What's one way you think this has suited you in the past as you thought about change? Or approach change? You don't have to know the outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think as especially as opposed to fours, um, my staff members who were ones were really great to have on planning committees because it was like, whoa, 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 we're not implementing that until we've tested the water a little bit here, right? And so they were, you guys are really great, you ones, um, to kind of saying, let's see how things go before we do a full-blown change. So you guys are kind of like the little doves we send out and uh, have come back to see how well it's going. Or do it. Okay. Um, what about number twos? Raise your hand if you're a two. How has this served you or your uh, the rest of your school or staff or students? Anticipating problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were talking a bit. Of sometimes it's nice because you've thought through all the worst case scenarios, and so then when things do go a bit wrong, you're like, oh, I've been thinking about this. I've already got a plan, right? What about number three? Who's threes? Okay. How has this helped um, helped you out in your setting? Jim Collins says we are uh, initiating change first. First, shoot bullets and then cannonballs. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number fours. Okay. The ready fire aims. Yeah? How has this suited you? You're going to make it work. You don't fear failure. You take it and try and learn from it. You're pioneers, right? Uh, if someone has a crazy scheme, they're going to come to you and say, give it a shot. Maybe number ones come to you and they say, we'll see how you do. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, good. And again, we had talked about, and we'll kind of discuss the other ones um, here as well later. But just really, I think, I think reflecting on how you approach change, how you think about it, your strengths in that, um, be, be thinking about that and having that in the back of your mind as you think about um, maybe challenging the way that you're doing some things in your classroom over the next few days. All right, go to the next one. So we would love for you to have a chance to find out who's in the room in terms of people who share a similar role in the district. And so we're going to put you together in terms of a feather. Full disclosure, this was supposed to happen after lunch, so it was going to be way more organized. So we're going to have you help us with this. I need an administrator. Where is my, somebody who's an administrator? Um, okay, she's just going to hold the sign, and you're all going to meet up with her in a minute. My Julie. Okay, kindergarten to second grade teacher. Anybody? Perfect. There you go. Third to fifth. Art teachers. Amy. Middle, and if you teach middle school, math, science, or technology. Perfect. How about high school, ELA, government, uh, high school, math, science, technology, engineering, and then middle school, ELA, social studies, or Bible. Perfect. We're going to ask you in just a minute, those of you that have a sign, to kind of pick a place in the room 
those of you who share that role, go ahead and meet up with those folks. So that's going to be the first thing. So go ahead and kind of spread out. Find your tribe, so to speak. Fantastic. All right, help me out. Raise your hand if you can hear my voice. So I'm going to go through the directions. Let me just so turn so that you can see me. And those of you in the back, can you hear me? Awesome. First thing, so please don't start until I'm done with the directions. First thing, we're going to ask you within your group, you can pair triad up to share some thinking after you introduce yourselves around the two prompts that are up there. What is one unit that you have taught that if you had to teach it for the rest of your life, that would be the one? And then the second thing, what makes it so compelling for you? And more importantly, what makes it so compelling for students? So the assumption there is if you love it so much, there's got to be some connection with kids. Then the second thing, after you have a chance to kind of introduce, and you decide if you want to do more than just pairing and try it up, if you want to all talk together, whatever works for your group. The second thing we'd like you to do on the poster paper that's being distributed as you're talking, we're going to ask you to create that need-to-know list. So what do you need to know? Based on the students that you teach, based on your situation at school, what are some questions that are coming up for you around the driving question? And that is building high-quality projects. So what are things that you're wondering about? And we'll ask somebody within the group to describe for the whole group. If you would, label your chart paper with your position or uh, however you want to kind of call yourselves or your group. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so I'll put it back to the prompt and when your group is ready and you've done all your introductions, just start capturing questions. Feel free to use the wall space too if that's easier for you. Oh, that's Sarah.
part A and part B. Yeah. project for my students, right? But what are you thinking as sub-questions? Or what do you need to answer? Um, or kind of, how can you hone in your, your inquiry process um, towards answering that? So these are kind of, what, what else do I need to know before I can answer that question? Does that make sense, this concept of need to know questions? 
So maybe, high, okay, how do I plan a high quality project? Maybe a need to know question might be, what are examples of other high quality projects? Maybe another thing I need to know is like, what are the elements that make something high quality? Um, can I see some examples of my grade level? Right, so all of those kind of sub questions. Do those examples help a bit? Kristen, anything to add? Okay, um, so what do you need to know in order to plan one? question to ask. Uh, it's just kind of diving into thinking about your thinking. What's clear for you? What's not clear for you? If you do a need-to-know list with students and they don't have a lot of questions right away, then you know that that's an area that you're delving into where there's not a lot of background knowledge. If, however, they start listing a whole bunch of stuff that really tunes you into the fact that they know more, then maybe you don't need to do as much instruction as you originally thought. So we'll talk more about that after lunch, but the people here are ready to serve us. We have the opportunity to use Salon C, so let's use Salon C. That way you don't have to worry about moving your stuff or getting laptops. 